You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, as you can see from our liturgy sheet, I'm supposed to be preaching to you this morning from the book of Revelation, chapter 18. It's about the church celebrating celebrating the fall of that evil empire called in Revelation Babylon. But nevertheless, the events of late yesterday afternoon have changed all of that. It's hard to preach about Babylon when we are all still grappling with the death of Brother Bill Van Egmond. And of course, we knew that he was seriously ill, However, we had expected that he would be with us for some time, some weeks, and some months as yet. And who knows how long, only the Lord knows. But yet it was not to be. Yesterday, the Lord said it was time for Bill to come home. His earthly task was done. And now we sit here together this morning in our grief... And with this sacrament of the Lord's Supper as well. And indeed, you might be asking yourself, what do these two things have in common? What does our grief have to do with the Lord's Supper? Where is there a connection here? Is there any connection here at all? Well, there is a connection, only you will find it not in Revelation chapter 18, but you will find it in Revelation chapter 19. And indeed, you will find it in that well-known expression, the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now, I think that's an expression that you are all familiar with. Probably it has everything to do with the form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper that we read together every two months and thus know rather well. And you may recall the words, finally, Christ has commanded us to celebrate the Holy Supper until he comes. And we receive at his table a foretaste of the abundant joy which he has promised and look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb when he will drink the wine new with us in the kingdom of his Father. Here we're reminded that every celebration of the Lord's Supper is actually a pointer. A pointer forward to a much, much greater and better supper. To the marriage supper of the Lamb of God. But how do we know this? Where does the form, you may ask yourself, get this from? Well, it gets it from Revelation 19. From the words that are going to be also the words of our text this morning. It's the book of Revelation that first, of course, based on Old Testament precept also, but introduces us to the concept of the eternal supper. So turn with me briefly this morning to Revelation chapter 19, the verses 6 to 9. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad 
and give him the glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. And the angel said to me, write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. Now, beloved, if you think about these words that we have read and mull them over in your mind, you might come to the conclusion that it is all rather somewhat strange. It speaks here about the wedding of the Lamb or the wedding supper of the Lamb. And that's rather an odd combination, a wedding, a supper, and a lamb. And why is John led to bring these three together? Notice, first of all, there is spoken here of a wedding. What's a wedding? You all know what a wedding is, but what what is a wedding? Well, perhaps more than anything else, it is a uniting ceremony. It's a special event in which a man and a woman are bound together in a lifelong union. And no, biblically speaking, it is not the bringing together of man and man or woman and woman. It's the merging of male and female. Oh, and neither is it a temporary union. It is meant to be until death does us part. In and through a wedding, God brings a man and a woman together, and he makes them one. He unites them. But there is more, for look, there is also spoken here of a supper. Now, that word supper hardly strikes us as noteworthy. However, you need to approach it, as it were, with Middle Eastern eyes. And if you do that, then you cannot fail to escape the fact that supper speaks of real intimacy and deep fellowship. In our part of the world, we think nothing of eating together, but in that part of the world, it borders almost on the sacred. Sharing a meal together is an act of communion, an expression of true togetherness. So you can say the word wedding speaks of unity, the word supper speaks of fellowship. And that leaves us with that third word, lamb. And in some ways, it's the strangest word of all. How can you have unity and fellowship with an animal? Even with a white woolly animal. And the answer, of course, lies, as we've been looking at in the book of Revelation, it lies in symbolism. For that word lamb is not meant to be taken literally. No, really what we need to understand is that word lamb should point us in the direction of sacrifice, of blood, and of death. Lamb is here a pointer to Jesus Christ. 
Think, for example, of the words of John the Baptist when he first sees the Lord Jesus as the Messiah coming towards him when he's down by the Jordan River. And he says to the people, look. And he doesn't say, look, Jesus of Nazareth is coming. No, he says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is coming. And think as well, beloved, of the book of Revelation and how it speaks of Jesus Christ. More than any other name or title in the book of Revelation, Jesus Christ is repeatedly called the Lamb. The Lamb of God. You find that title almost in every chapter. And why is that so? Well, it's because John in the book of Revelation wants to remind us that it is by his sacrifice and death that Jesus Christ has conquered. Conquered over sin, conquered over the devil, conquered over death. You know, his words are important, his miracles are important, but that's not what saves us. No, what saves us is the fact that he was willing to suffer for us, to become our sacrifice, even to die for us. Perhaps more than anything else, the word lamb points to his sacrificial death and work. And so, beloved, what does the expression the wedding supper of the Lamb means? It means unity. It means fellowship. It means sacrifice. It points us all together to a most unusual meal and celebration. It points us to an event and a happening that is unlike anything else in this whole wide world. Here in the book of Revelation, chapter 19, we are being reminded that one day a really, really special supper is coming. But there is more, for not only is this meal, this supper, special, so too are those who are invited to it. Notice Revelation says, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's a rare privilege to be invited to this meal. It's an exceptional thing. It's truly exquisite. You you may want to be invited to a state banquet hosted by the governor general or even by the queen. And that would no doubt make your day and perhaps your year and maybe even your life. But... This is even more exceptional and outstanding. And that's why John says, blessed, happy, privileged are those who are invited to partake of this supper. But of course, that raises the question, why? Why are some invited? Are they inherently special? Are they a cut above the rest of humanity? 
Are they superior in one form or way or another? Now, the answer lies in those words of verse 8. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. What are all of those who are invited to this supper wearing? Well, sad to say in one way, they're all wearing exactly the same thing. No, not outwardly, but in reality. They're all wearing, in the terminology of Revelation, fine linen. Bright. Clean. White. Spotless. And John elaborates, he says, they're really all wearing righteous acts or deeds. And of course, that's puzzling. That raises our eyebrows. How can unrighteous people be wearing righteous acts or deeds? How can those who are by nature polluted by sin and trespass be in possession of whitewashed clothing? Where did this spick-and-span wardrobe come from? Well, beloved, it comes from the Lamb. If you look at our text, you see it. It's, it's the Lamb who makes the bride, His church, His people ready. It's the Lamb who scrubs down the church. It's the Lamb who makes an impure people pure. Indeed, it's the Lamb who makes all of us who believe sparkling white. That's really the Lamb's gift to His people. It's not wealth. It's not health. It's not happiness. Now, what are these righteous acts? The fact that all the dirt and all the pollution... It's wiped away and is replaced by fine linen, bright and clean. That's his ultimate gift to us. And you know, that's also his ultimate gift to our brother Bill Van Egmond. He's died and he's left us. But... He didn't leave naked. He didn't leave polluted. He didn't leave trailing all kinds of ugly baggage. No, through faith in his Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, he left dressed in fine linen, bright And clean. He left in acts made righteous by the Lamb. And truly, he's now, we firmly believe, among the blessed. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, beloved, what about you? 
you are still living and breathing and working and interacting and doing all kinds of things. And what are you dressed? Are you perhaps dressed in your own deeds? In your own actions? In your own achievements? In your own assumed respectability? In your own piety? Well, if you are, I tell you, you too need true faith in Jesus Christ. You too need to be dressed in a totally different kind of wardrobe. Not your stuff. Not the stuff of your making. But what Jesus Christ makes and provides. Dressed in fine linen, bright and clean. And so, beloved, as we partake this morning of the bread and wine of the Lord's Supper, realize that what you're getting here this morning is a foretaste, a little bit of a preview, a glimpse of a much greater, more glorious supper that one day is coming. For one day, we're going to sit down and break bread with our Savior. And we're going to drink new wine with Him. One day, we're going to eat and drink with the Lamb of God. And as He says, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob sitting at table. And with all the bride made ready throughout the ages, especially all those suffering, persecuted saints that we've been dealing with in the book of Revelation, and with Bill Van Egmond, sitting down to eat in the kingdom of the Father. You see, one day, we're going to experience a unity beyond imagination, a fellowship beyond all expectation. And truly, the Lamb beyond all compare. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.